The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hello and welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. I am your host, Danielle Delaney. Welcome to my show. And today, my spotlight is on the psych on the bike. I'm extremely excited to have the psych on the bike with us today. And Dr. Stephen Trudeau is known as the psych on the bike because of his love of motorcycles. He is truly thriving while roaring his engines. And one of the most, he is one of the most unique psychologists in California. He is the author of Courage to Thrive, Triumph in the Face of Adversity. He is a highly sought-after motivational speaker, providing training and motivation to Fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, and he does executive coaching as well. So Dr. Trudeau has won the Best Psychologist of Westlake Village in 2013 and in 2015. He is a dedicated family man, and Stephen Trudeau simply wants to change the world through positive energy. Stephen, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I am so glad to be with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And it's just your energy is infectious. It's just, it's always so nice to see you. So I would love to talk to you a little bit about Courage to Thrive, Triumph in the Face of Adversity. Your yeah. book is really something that I think can inform people how to get out of the victim mentality and how to take your life back. And that's really what I'm all about. It's a lot of what my show is about. It's a lot of what my practice is about. And yeah. I, I always realize some people may not have ever tuned into me before, so I introduce myself as well. I'm Danielle Delaney. I'm a crisis intervention counselor. I am an interventionist. I work with rape crisis, domestic violence, as well as adults molested as children, and I work with trauma, so that leads to addiction. I work with addiction and recovery. I own a sober companioning company and send people out to clients who are leaving facilities so they have someone to help them start their life again with structure. And I've been doing all of this because I went through ex- extreme trauma and uh, had a lot of guidance in order to thrive through my trauma. So, Stephen, I, you know, the listeners are really wanting to know, first of all, why are you called the psych on the bike? I know it's one of their, one of their <laughs> well, first that, questions, you know, so let's ask monitor. you that. Yeah, uh, I, I was working at a high school. I was actually working at a continuation high school doing school-based mental health. Okay. And I rolled up on one of my motorcycles and, uh, you know, leather jacket, helmet, dark sunglasses, and boots. <laughs> and uh, these, these rough-and-tumble teenagers come up to me like, who the hell do you think you are coming up on our property here? <laughs> and uh, and uh, I said, hey, I'm, uh, I'm the new psychologist here. And immediately, one of them just shouted out, oh, great, the psych on the bike. (laughs) And I thought, you know what, I'm using that kid, and I'm not paying you royalties either. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, you're not. It's stuck because it's the real, it's the truth. It's the, it's the absolute honest to God truth. And sometimes, you know, out of the mouths of babes. So this kid decides you're the psych on the bike and it's been, that's who you've been ever since. And it makes yeah. sense. You really are thriving as you ride your bike. I you know when I talk to you about it, you, you love going into work. You love doing everything you do because you're basically getting around the city and the, and the beach in the way that everybody would really enjoy with the wind in your hair and the, the bike just rumbling. It's, it's a beautiful way to get around. So I can imagine that helps you thrive. Yeah, and in Southern California, we have all these beautiful mountains and canyons going, you know, from Malibu to Ventura on down into the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just just being able to be out there, it's kind of like riding a, a roller coaster every day, you know, a half hour to work and a half an hour home. How can you be in a bad mood after having a nice, beautiful ride through the mountains? No, you really can't. I mean, I do it I do it in my own little way. I'm, I'm not brave enough to be doing it that way, but I do the roadster, the two-seater roadster top-down, same kind of feeling. There it's you just go. That, it's that wind in your hair, sun on your face. I mean, if we're going to live here, we may as well live it up, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we work hard so we get to play to enjoy our work. It's really great. So now, why don't you tell me about what, what is the genesis of this idea of the courage to thrive? Tell me a little well, bit more about that. Yeah, you know, I, I've been uh, I've been working in uh, in various addiction treatment facilities in Malibu, uh, not the least of which is uh, Passages Addiction Treatment Center. Everybody's Wonderful. seen their commercials, mm-hmm. and uh, when I would give a a group or a seminar. It would, uh, my, my central theme is, is get out of this victim mentality. In fact, even get out of this thri- or this uh, uh, survival mode and actually truly thrive. And they would ask, okay, how do you do that? So then we kind of go on and every week we talk about a different subject. And inevitably somebody would come up to me and say, you know, have you written any of this down? <laughs> and I thought, well, no, not yet. So I started doing that. I started writing little 800,000 word essays on a particular topic. And those eventually became the book, Courage to Thrive and Triumph in the Face of Adversity. Because I think what what a lot of us have is this erroneous belief system Mm -hmm. that people who are truly thriving are lucky. They were born that way. And those of us born on the wrong side of the tracks, well, all we can really do is muddle along. All we can really do is carve out as best we can a survival mode, and uh, mm. then we'll, we'll steal our happiness wherever we can. But what we've discovered is that everybody can thrive, and it's, uh, it's a matter of getting out of that mentality where uh, the world is doing bad things to me, and all I can do is battle against it. Rather than recognize, you know, the world sometimes just does what it does, right. you have the opportunity to grow through the experience to actually become a, a more enlightened person, a stronger person, because of that experience. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think I've always said I'm not one of those people who will say, I'm so grateful that horrible thing happened. I'm so grateful I've been kidnapped and assaulted and thrown out of cars. I think I could have learned my, I could have learned my lessons in a much easier way. You know, it's the tap Indeed. on the shoulder, the whisper in the ear. I obviously needed uh, something else to completely forcibly redirect my life, but I I always had that mentality. At first, I had that whole victimhood of why, why me, why me? And then I thought the same thing, why not me? There's so many difficult things that people go through that if you look at it from a why not me perspective, why wouldn't it be? Well, why wouldn't I be the one that has dealt this card? If it's one in three women, what makes me the one that's not going to be the one? And Mm. um, 
and and it was really a it was quite the journey for me to realize that you know to wrap my brain around that that I can be a survivor of this, but not just survive through it either, but to thrive in that through that trauma and to kind of pay it forward and realize that I could actually have a unique perspective for people there who you go. have gone That's through it. it rather than going to someone who's just read about it. How about I lived through it too? I totally get what you're dealing with and and let yeah, me help that's you it. That's take it exactly. And look at the amount of energy that is created by these events. Yes. You know, a, a vortex of energy is generated when an unusual event happens to us, how we interpret that, you know, as good, bad, and different. Right. But what a waste to squander the energy created. Right, so that's I, what I, I thought. At... I thought, what's the point? What, what was the point in this happening to me? And, right. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not some, somebody who thinks I understand every single aspect of the universe, but I sure thought, you know, if I don't do something with it, it's sort of a wasted experience. And it's not like I waste my education. I don't waste my food. I don't waste my water. I'm not a wasteful human being. And it just made me feel that there's certainly something I'm supposed to do with this information. And then to have something happen twice, Within nine yeah. months, it made me really feel like, okay, you know, I'm, I need to be hearing something that I'm, that I'm turning a deaf ear to. And it really was that, uh, you know, sometimes it's time to do something different. And, and I'm really glad that I did. And I'm really glad to, get to encounter other people like yourself. Now, tell me, tell me about when you were a young man. Like, what, what was your life like? What, what well. took you through <laughs> difficulties and got you to this place of hopefulness and really living. So tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I, I, was, uh, I was born in uh, Burbank, California, <laughs> beautiful downtown Burbank. Wow, you're another, right, you're another right. native Antelina. I was born in Pasadena, so that's amazing. Yeah, right next to the Johnny Carson Studios over there. <laughs> but, uh, um, we grew up in a poor part of town on the east side of the San Fernando Valley, and uh, so we dealt with the, you know, we didn't even know we were poor very, you know, because, you know, the only rich people we saw were on TV. Right. So everybody in our neighborhood was in the same boat, so it didn't really seem like that big of a deal until, you know, later years and teenage years. But uh, out of that comes a lot of, uh, of other stuff, and there was uh, there was abuse, there was neglect, there was uh, some sexual abuse, there was you know some some bad things happen, and it kind of leads to this you know childish mentality of you know kind of oh poor me. Now as a child, obviously we are victims. We don't have a lot of control. Bad things do happen, and uh, you know you you can't really do a whole lot about it. But it reinforced this idea of us and them, you know, that lucky people who don't have trauma, lucky people who are born in Beverly Hills, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be the ones to thrive. But me, I just got to carve it out. And so very early on, I started seeking um, uh, self-soothing strategies that were less than savory. Uh, <laughs> and at 11 years old, I started smoking pot and uh, stealing beers out of my dad's fridge. Uh, and and you, you think about that, you know, your typical 11-year-old is such a such a, a, a fragile creature. Yes. What is going on that when you're offered pot for the first time or any intoxicant, you say, oh, yeah, let's do that. Because mm-hmm. reality is such that you would rather be the unknown of what the high promises to bring than in your own reality. Right. Life is and, painful and people want to numb themselves. And even, even a kid going through that much adversity and just yeah. having a hard time. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. So I was an addict for about 11 years. And uh, got in all kinds of trouble because of that. And, of course, I continued to blame the universe for my problems, even though I was generating most of them by mm-hmm. that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and then round about uh, when, when well, it, well, I call it the end. I was uh, about 22. 
I had attempted suicide and failed. I didn't think mm. I could feel any lower as a human being mm. um, until after I failed and thought, wow, you're such a loser. You can't even kill yourself. Oh. Um, and then two weeks later, my brother actually succeeded in killing himself. Oh, he I'm was so a uh, year, year and a half younger than me. And, uh, mm. you know, such a, such a beautiful soul he was, but also just as lost. And it pained me to realize that, you know, we were so close, and yet all I could see was my own pain. I couldn't even see his. Mm-hmm. And I wished I could have. And uh, maybe that started the beginning of me thinking, well, maybe I could eventually help somebody else. Maybe I could see somebody's pain and and make something out of this life and be a comfort provider. I don't know. But I continued my addiction for a few more months. Mm -hmm. And then one morning I woke up. And I woke up in one of those really bizarre, weird moods. And I Mm -hmm. looked down at my hands as I swung my feet off the edge of the bed. And looking at my hands, I could swear that I had dissolved the molecular bonds that held me together. What were I you I felt taking, like I was disintegrating, Stephen? and I knew without the shadow of a doubt that I would be dead sometime that day. Wow, it's and almost I, like an hallucination, but it brought you kind of, yeah, well, you know, I mean, you can call it amphetamine-induced psychosis if yeah, you want. Yeah, it's like but, a, <laughs> an epiphany that comes from it, wow. But I, I, I thought about it, and then it popped into my head, well, maybe you can live. Because everything I had been doing up to that point was death-defying, was death-enhancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way I rode my motorcycle was like a complete maniac, zigzagging in and out of cars and getting oh. into occasional crashes. The food I ate was horrible. The people I hung around with were horrible. The drugs mm-hmm. I did was horrible. Mm-hmm. Everything I did supported death. And yeah. so when I made the statement to myself, hey, I want to live, the deeper, deepest part of myself said, oh, yeah? Seriously? Mm-hmm. If you want to live, now's the time. And it would have been too easy just to say, I promise to never use drugs again. Right. It just would have been too easy a promise. Right. But I thought deeper than that, and I came up with this idea. Now, I didn't have the words for it. I only later put these words to it. But at the time, the essence was there. I will only engage in life-affirming behaviors. Wow. And that just lifted a weight off of my shoulders, and I thought, wait a minute, I can get through this day and not die as long as I follow that little creed. I will only only engage in life-affirming behaviors. So I put on my boots, ready to go to work. I was working for the (laughs) phone company at the time. I trotted down the stairs, and there were three of my moron friends in the living room going through the carpet looking for rocks of cocaine in the carpet fibers. And, of course, they asked me, you want to get high? And my body said, oh, yeah. But my brain said, no, wait a minute, you just made a promise. Getting high is not life-affirming. Okay, so off I went. And I started my day. I went to work. I had breakfast. I did my things. And every choice I had, I decided life-affirming or not. And if it's life-affirming, do it. And if it's not, don't do it. I started riding my motorcycle more safely and sanely. Wow. I started enjoying, I started actually enjoying the breeze instead of worrying about, you know, racing through traffic. Mm-hmm. I started eating good food. And I started gathering around me people who, who really wanted to live. And that, that was kind of the transformation out of this horrible childhood into wow. something that could be, you know, livable, but beyond livable actually thrivable. <laughs> right, to actually enjoy your life. What a concept. And to not what a engage with people that just are bringing you down. I mean, to wake up and go downstairs and there's guys looking through the carpet for rocks and drugs and offering them to you. And you just feel, you realize, you know, we all come to this crossroad in our life and some people take the other fork. And the fork in the road is usually, you know, 
I think it is. It, it, it's based in the idea, and I, I tell clients that all the time. You're not a tree. You do have choices. You're not stuck. You feel stuck because you're looking at these choices are looking you in the face, and you're not taking the time to look around them in the periphery and that maybe there's another way. And there's definitely another way to live. It doesn't have to remain that way. But like you said, you know, people think, oh, well, I'm not one of the lucky ones. Well, a lot of those lucky ones, you know, Beverly Hills, nobody's, it's, it's not a bed of roses there either. You know, people are, people are going through so much. It's just a human condition. But I yeah. do think that there's a different way to look at it. And I love your story because it really can be, not that it's simple, but it really can be as direct of a of a choice of I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to live. I like I like that word direct. That really because simple implies that uh, well that it's you, easy. Just, you know right. make a quick switch. No, right. it's a direct switch. But it can be direct. I mean, I I know I ended up taking a direct path toward avoiding and just really just not entertaining things from my history and things from my past that happened before everything that happened to me. I mean, if you have to relearn how to walk and go back to school and realize that you want to give of yourself and treat and teach other people how to survive yeah. trauma and thrive through trauma and do what, what I do and what you do, and to really give other people courage and hope and lead by example, really, that I don't right. want a vacation because my, I work so hard. I have three businesses. I have my practice. But my <clears> life is a vacation. As soon as I'm done... I'm really happy with where I live. I'm really pleased with what I do. I love taking calls and doing interventions and helping people. And so I don't need a vacation from my life. And to create a life that you enjoy so much that you don't want a vacation from what you do, it's possible. It's more than possible. It's doable. And I think it's fear that holds people back. And fear is such a liar. So I think it's really just, what is that? It's false evidence of the things not seen. You know, it's just, it's just not, it's not something that, uh, that it's not natural. It's it's really just fighting against yourself and fighting yeah, against hope. Yeah. So I love that. I yeah, think I mean, people you don't, do want to thrive. Know, you know, what is it going to be like to thrive? What is it going to be like to, to be outside of your comfort zone? And maybe right. that's the thing that really scares people. Right. And people hear that word comfort zone and they think, well, wait a minute, but I'm, I'm in pain. I'm not in a comfort zone. I'm in a painful zone. So, no, the comfort zone really is what's known rather right. than what's unknown. You so even if it's predictable, it. it even if it's it. painful, then you can at least predict it. You know what's going to happen next. And people would rather be able to predict what happens next and be right than to uh, you know, face the unknown and, and be wrong. You're absolutely right. People are resistant to change, and sometimes change is, I mean, most often change is such a wonderful thing. And mm-hmm. just the comfort zone, it's really just kind of getting away from what you are used to and accustomed to, and humans can adapt to just about anything. Look at war conditions. Look at this. Look at that. There's so many things, but it's just, you know, some, those people don't have a choice who are going through certain moments, and they still have a choice in how to react or how to respond, rather, which is better. But it's just, it really is something, of, uh, it's a fear of, of the unknown, and the unknown can sometimes be so much better than if, you, can you yeah. come, if you'd come downstairs that day and said, yeah, okay, we're going to do the same exact thing, and I'll be miserable again, but that's what I expect. And you instead got to a place where you realized, no, you don't want to just survive, but you really want to live. You want to live your life and break out of that that misery that doesn't have to be that way. If you're in a cage of confusion and misery, it, it's it, there's an exit, and it sometimes it's right there. It's like a dog with an electrical fence. You know, it's it's you can, it's there. You can you can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a brilliant image there. Exactly. Right. And so here's a fun fact for you. Um, I am related to the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. 
Really? Yeah, so we're, I did our family tree, and we're, we're cousins, several removed something or others. I've never met the guy, but uh, I find him admirable in the work that he's doing. And he wrote a book uh, about two years ago called Common Ground. Mm-hmm. And in it, uh, in one particular moment, he decided he was going to describe his uh, mother's side of the family, the Sinclairs. And he described them as the kind of people whose personal goal it is to harvest as much joy from life as possible. That's beautiful. When I read that, my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> and I thought, that's it, that's it, that's thriving right there. And Whether it's, it's sitting it's on your, your back DNA. porch and enjoying the fireflies in the evening or having a barbecue or going kayaking or yeah. reading a good book, it doesn't matter what it is, but you harvest as much joy as possible from every moment that you indeed are living in. That's a beautiful way to look at things because really kayaking and fireflies and all of those things, you don't even notice those things as options when you are self-medicating. And oh, boy. It's such an, it's such an amazing thing. when you, it's, it's almost like you finally opened a door or opened a window when you stop with that same behavior because I know for myself it was just, why am I spending time around people that are having completely inappropriate behavior and <laughs> things that are just disrespectful or betrayals or hurtful or they're not even aware of it. They're so they're so not self-aware. They're so unself-aware that I'm just kind of tolerating them. Why on earth would I keep myself around these toxic people when I can instead choose people that nurture me and that make my life better and that I feel that we're give it's a give and take. And it really is just so it's so mystifying to people who haven't dealt with addiction in their lives or who don't treat addiction. Why would you keep going back to that? And the day that you don't, it is like someone left the gate open. What you know, a it's like you just feeling. got out of jail and you're having a great time, but you're not acting like you just got out of jail in the way that you used to. It's a different way. It's not just, I just got out of jail. What can I use? What substances can I use now? <laughs> it's, it's, I just got out of jail. And are you kidding? Look at the highway. Look at the sky. Look at the, look at the mountains. Look at the oceans. I can jump in there. I can do whatever I want. And it's yeah. a different kind of freedom. And, and it, when you're not numb, it is, it's really an, an unusual way to live for a lot of people, but it's just such a beautiful thing because everything's real. And why would yeah, and you know, in, in our culture, we, we put a lot of emphasis on the, uh, on the chemical addictions, but we're becoming increasingly aware of what are known as process addictions. Mm-hmm. Anything that is a behavior that is kind of obsessive, that negatively impacts our life in, in one or multiple areas, let's just call it work, love, and play. Those are three main domains. If mm-hmm. any one or more of those areas are negatively affected by an obsessive behavior that you've tried to quit but doesn't seem real easy to quit, you kind of have what would be called a process addiction. Mm-hmm. Workaholism, sex addiction, uh, spending, shopping. Um, what about Facebook? People are just clicking away on Facebook all mm-hmm. day long, just all day. waiting for their micro-dopamine rewards every time they get a like. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And uh, these things can detract from the quality of your relationships with the humans that are actually in front of you. Mm-hmm. They can detract from your ability to enjoy being a productive person person in this world where doing your work, whatever it is that that, that that is for you. And they can really detract from what you would call, you know, like play or, or leisure activities. We get confined to, you know, video games or gambling addiction. And you don't go outside and put your feet on the grass. Right. You don't, you don't, you don't put your, your toes in the ocean. I know people that have lived in California their whole lives and have never put their feet in the Pacific Ocean. Right. 
And it's what is right that about? there. It's yours for the taking, but people find all these other ways of numbing and self-soothing, and they're indoors, and they're just sort of, they're missing out on so much. It's like I don't want to chastise them. I just want to invite them to try something new because, you know, we can all transform these, these really difficult experiences or a really different, a difficult lifestyle and, and choose something different the next time. And it's, it's just a matter of your choice. You do have choices. You really do. And I think that's such a strong place to come from, to really want to live. And the way you encourage people to break out of these self-imposed prisons, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you write about courage quite a bit. And I'd like to know, what do you say to people who seemingly have some insurmountable hardships and challenges. Yeah, what, what do yeah you I get that a lot where people say, yeah, that's all fine and well for you, or you're stronger than I am, or your trauma doesn't measure up to my trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is true that there are people who, you know how they say that old saying, you know, uh, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. It, you know, that's a, that's a nice platitude, but I have unfortunately seen people who have been crushed by the weight of what has been given to them, what they didn't ask for. Um, so it is true that, that, that people can be, uh, you know, feel like it's insurmountable. But right. really, we have to uh, dig deep and find the courage. That's the missing ingredient, really, because we all know what it takes to live a de- pretty decent life. Exercise, eat right, meditate, go out, have fun, work at a job you really enjoy. I mean, the big broad strokes, we all know that. But mm-hmm. it takes courage, real courage, to take the actions that increase the likelihood of that thriving experience to happen. You have to get out of your box. You have to get out of your comfort zone, even if, again, your comfort zone is pain and misery. Mm-hmm. People feel like there's a finite amount of energy that they have. They wake up in the morning, and I've got, I don't know, 12 volts that I'm going to spend today. And by noon, I've already spent 11. So I have to conserve that last volt for the whole rest <laughs> of the day. But what they don't realize is that by engaging in the very activities that they think cause them to spend energy, they gain energy. For instance, if I wake up in the morning and go for a three-mile run, that's my typical run, people would say, three miles, you must be exhausted. I say, no, I'm energized. Right. Now, if I ran three miles the very first day I was running, yes, I would be exhausted. Right. So what I did is I took the dog for a walk, and I walked around the block a few times instead of exhausting myself, but I built up to it. So now, to me, a three-mile run actually starts my day and energizes my day. Um, interacting with people, as long as they're good people, actually gives you energy. They don't take energy away from you like a vampire. We're so afraid of being sucked dry by the emotional vampires in our world. But if we live with enough joy and purpose, we, we... Live, we generate more energy than we use. And then we have extra to share with other people. But the real ingredient that's missing there is courage. You have to dig deep and find that courage to take one foot and step it outside of your comfort zone. I know outside the comfort zone, there's a terror zone. I mean, that's, that's very obvious. At some point outside your comfort zone, it is terrifying. It's paralyzing. But frightened. in between the terror zone and the comfort zone, we have the courage zone. And that's where growth opportunities happen. Well, we're Step one foot out. Moment. I want to talk you... about that a little bit more. I want to talk about the growth opportunities that can, can occur when you step outside that comfort zone and into the courage zone. So we're going to take a short break, and then we will be right back with Dr. Stephen Trudeau talking about courage to thrive, triumph from the face of adversity, and how to step out of that comfort zone into your courage zone. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Change your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. How are you doing in your life? Do you control your life or does it control you? In our hectic, overconnected world, do you spend too much time feeling tired and wired? Tune in to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin for inspiration, insight, and intelligence on how to gain control of yourself and your life. Along with some inspirational and knowledgeable guests, Leah and Howard will give you the tools needed to help you on your journey. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Can you think of anybody who does not want a better life and to be a better person? Think about that for a second. Almost everyone wants to be better, but how does one go about doing that? One thing that is making people better every week is tuning into the Self-Improvement Show with Dr. Irene Conlon. All real change comes from within, but many of us don't know where to find the information or guidance we need to make the changes that bring about the improvement. Most of us don't know how to work within. Listen Thursdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, we are back, and you are back listening to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. I'm Danielle Delaney, your host, and my guest today is Dr. Stephen Trudeau, known as the Psych on a Bike, on the bike, and uh, we were just talking before the break about about stepping out of people's comfort zone into their courage zone because we've both been through extreme traumas and come through the other side and not only come through it to survive but to thrive. And I have my own philosophies about how that works, but I really want to hear from you, Stephen, a little bit more about what that's like. What's that? What is that like when people sort of? move and edge themselves toward the courage zone? What does it feel like, and how can they do that? You know, there's a, there's a pretty palpable shift when you're sitting with somebody who's just been defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say somebody's been in a car accident and their, their body is hurt, mm-hmm. and you go to visit them in the hospital and they're lying there and they're just they're hurt. And there's something inside the human spirit and I believe it's in all of us, not just in some of us. But there is a spark of adventurous life that says, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a victim anymore. I want to get out of it. Uh, but our acculturation, our friends, the people we surround ourselves with, sometimes reinforce the victim status. Uh, look at all of these amazing uh, Paralympic athletes who are out there running without legs, who are swimming without arms, who are competing in, in you know, uh, amazing uh, events, and, and they're, they're skydiving, and they're, they're just embracing life. Now, not everybody has to do things that are like X Games style. <laughs> you know, right. have to, you know do, do things that are all adrenaline pumping. But for some people, just going out to the library and sitting and reading a book at, at a library instead of at home is part of their adventurous spirit. We're just doing or even a reading bit a book a that they never thought they would ever read before. Mm-hmm. 
Somebody suggests, hey, why don't you read, oh, I don't know, let's pick one that's really cool. Jonathan Livingston Siegel. It's an old-time classic, oh, right, from the 1970s by Richard Bach. Mm-hmm. And it's just a simple parable about to thine own self be true, about not worrying about what the flock thinks of you, but what do you want to perfect in your life? Maybe it's basket weaving. <laughs> you know, maybe it's, it's drawing the perfect mandala with your beautiful set of crayons. Or maybe it's training your dog to do a really cool trick. But there's things that we can do that are just outside of our comfort zone mm-hmm. that are not yet terrifying. But they do f- cause us to stretch ourselves. And when we get that success, when we get the feedback that, hey, that was fun or that was rewarding, Mm-hmm. It encourages us to take another step. You're right. And another. Right. And another. And another. Until eventually you are indeed jumping out of an airplane, you screaming, Yahoo! <laughs> <laughs> With parachute, of course. Um, <laughs> fun. You know, you push yourself to do new things. I remember I, was, I took Taekwondo. I was scuba diving. I was doing all these exciting things. And yeah. then after trauma, I remember thinking, wow, will my legs ever be in shape to do that again because of what they did oh, to yeah. me? And will I ever be able to be 80 feet down in the ocean? again and will I ever travel again and all of it and at yeah. that point I remember feeling like you know maybe maybe not but I will never know unless I try and I started swimming and started wanting to heal but you have to want it you have to realize that you know I think that sometimes we get to a place where we're absolutely sick of yourself where it's I'm tired of feeling <laughs> this way and sometimes people will tell me you know I'm tired of feeling this way and I say are you really because if you really were when you get to that place where you're really sick of it I think that you'll make some change because it's not like it's with, it's not outside of you. It's within you. So you've got well, it's to when you that get to that spot. place where you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And tired. Exactly. What's exactly. the next step? Yeah. So you know what I did? What I was, uh, I was sober for about, oh, I want to say like three or four months. I was kind of white knuckling it. Mm. And it dawned on me that my brother and I, when we were little kids, used to watch Bruce Lee movies. And we would go out in the backyard, and we would thump on each other, screaming hi-ya and stuff like that. (laughs) And we always thought someday maybe we would go and study martial arts. So in honor and tribute to my brother, I made the commitment to go and find a good martial arts studio, and I was going to make the commitment to go all the way to getting a black belt. Wow. And it's it's hard work. However, you go in the first day, and you learn the first thing. And then you learn the second thing. And then you learn the third thing, and you just keep going, and you come back every class, and you learn something new, and you practice a little bit more. Your grace begins to improve. Mm -hmm. Your balance and strength begins to improve. Your clarity and focus of your mind improves. Until eventually, it took me about two years, I got that black belt. And that black belt signified to me not that I was some, you know, badass who could beat people up now. I could care less. By the time I arrived there, all I wanted was the peace of mind that Mm -hmm. came with this sense of confidence. I Mm -hmm. banished fear. Mm. Banishing fear is what liberates us. huge, because once you do that, because fear is such a liar and because it wants to hold you down, I mean, we were talking about emotional vampires. It's the ultimate emotional vampire because it (laughs) keeps you from from trying new things. And, you know, I can keep humans that are emotional vampires away from me just because I can start picking up their energy and you realize you don't want that around you. And it's a choice. It's actually a healthy choice to get away from toxic toxic people. You don't owe them an explanation. Just move move away from that energy. But it's absolutely the truth. When you banish fear in a way that you did with such 
with with martial arts. I love martial arts. I just wasn't very good at them. But, but um, I <laughs> well, I'm still not. Them. I'm still not that good at it, but I certainly enjoy it. I, I I enjoyed it, but I had to find something else, and that's how I got into the scuba diving. I thought, okay, yeah, I wanted that black belt to wear to the supermarket. I just wanted to have the the belt. I didn't want to walk around with that white belt. And like, can I just borrow it? Like, no, you can't borrow it. You know, I was twenty something. I was a kid, but it was so funny. But it was such a beautiful in you know, the traditions and the respect that you learn and and that you earn. It's just it's a beautiful, beautiful. It's it's an art. You know, martial arts are an art, and I think they're so powerful. And anything what about simpler you you're passionate about can be what gets you outside of your comfort zone. And for me, it was the ocean. So yeah. know, it's different for everyone, but I think it's really... It's really right. Well, you you know, you asked about getting out of that victim mentality and yes. getting out of your comfort zone. So we talk about these big bold moves, which certainly worked for me, being kind of a hyperactive guy with a lot of energy. <laughs> but what about the simpler concepts and ideas? And I came up with one that really resonated. One day, I just woke up and I said, "You know what? Today's Monday. It's the start of another week. I wonder what I will accomplish by the end of this week." And I'd like to be proud of myself on Friday for having done a few things, ticked some things off of my to-do list. Mm-hmm. And so I dubbed that Monday, Motivational Monday. And ever since then, every Monday morning, I wake up and I shout, Motivational Monday! Right. And I actually write about it on my, uh, on my uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Facebook page. You know, every Monday, I post that, a motivational post, what are we going to do to be amazing? to be wonderful, to be fabulous this week. For your motivational Monday. I love that. Would you go ahead and tell people, I wanted to do that right after the break, and I forgot about it. Can you go ahead and tell people where they can find you, and I will do the same, and then we'll keep going. But where well, can people yeah, reach you? you? If you Google me, you're going to find a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but <laughs> um, the easiest way, I love my Dr. Stephen Facebook page because I love interacting with people. People send me messages all the time. And it's dr. Period Stephen with a P-H-E-N. Trudeau, T-R-U-D-E-A-U. And just like that page, and you can communicate with me and, uh, and get my Motivational Monday posts. Uh, what else? How else can I find? Oh, I have a Tumblr account. A that's Dr. Stephen Trudeau. So that's kind of fun. Okay, and, so. uh, and my webpage, hey, I've got uh, psychonthebike.com. Oh, you wow. That was available. <laughs> I love it. I, I saw love that. It. And I said, "I'm taking it. That's mine." Yeah. Psychonthebike.com. Grab that one. That's that one. Was so, that's so clever. Mine is DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com. So if anyone's interested in reaching mm-hmm. out, there's always that. Danielle Delaney, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y, Counseling, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G. You'd be amazed how many times that comes out differently. There's different ways to spell oh, yeah. counsel. Uh, counseling, yeah. S-E-L-I-N-G.com. And I'm also on Instagram as Danny Delaney, D-A-N-I-D-E-L-A. I gotta get me one of those. Right? And then Twitter, yeah. I'm at It's Danny Delaney. And then there's LinkedIn. I'm in psychology today. You can kind of throw a rock and find it if you just Google Danielle <laughs> Delaney. And if you want to talk yeah. to me about this show, go to the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. So now, right back into this, I would love to talk a little bit more about your book. And I'd love to talk more about. How do, would you tell me more about this victim mentality and how to change it? Because I know when bad things happen to good people, it's unfortunate, but people use some really, really uh, right. strategies that get in their own way rather than, than getting out of the victim mentality. How do you guide someone, and what did you write about that's very helpful to people, the feedback you're getting about getting out well, of that mentality? I, well, firstly, thank you for asking on that, but first, people have... 
this this aversion to the word victim, and, and I understand why, because nobody, I mean nobody, really wants to say I'm a victim, mm-hmm. uh, even though we're willing to recognize it. But if if we can really the, become aware of how we are behaving in a victim way, how we are giving away our power, then it will the light bulbs will go off what to start to do differently. So what happens when you're injured, when you're in distress, when you're bored, when you're upset, when somebody has hurt your feelings or posted something on Facebook you don't like, yeah. is you begin to behave in a certain way. And the way we usually behave is by using either thoughts or behaviors. The thoughts are usually associated with those defense mechanisms we've all heard about. Denial being the number one, or projection, or, you know, there's all kinds of different ways that we use our thoughts to protect ourselves. And they're, but they're maladaptive because they don't face the truth. Right. And there's the behaviors. They're like, uh, oh, I don't know, you know, certainly addictions or, uh, you know, running away, escape. There's all kinds of different escape mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, and inappropriate self-soothing strategies. Well, I'm just going to go take my toys and go home kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. But what that does is that it helps us survive the moment. It helps us survive the injury of the moment, but mm-hmm. it keeps us locked in that wicked, wicked feedback loop of just barely surviving and being left vulnerable to the next insult, which makes us feel like a victim again, which makes us do our defense mechanism again, mm-hmm. which makes us feel like a victim again, and it's Vicious just back and cycle. forth and back and forth. Mm-hmm. So if we can start breaking that cycle, and again, through courage, and start engaging in the types of behaviors that, that we're talking about here, Motivational Monday, going and uh, taking a class or learning something or meeting new healthy people or you know whatever it is, is that when you feel injured, if you can take a deep breath and relax and realize it's not going to kill you and to actually make a good, healthy choice, right. then you're going to increase the likelihood of thriving. You're going to decrease the negative consequences of the maladaptive behaviors. I know it starts sounding like I'm using a lot of terms there, but that's the crux of it. Really get into how am I acting like a victim right now, and what am I going to do differently to get out of it? I think that's brilliant because it's actually very, very direct, as we were saying before, it's a direct approach to change, of saying, what can I change to, and, and what can I change and what can I do differently in order not to feel like this anymore? And like I said, you know, when you're tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, tired yeah. of feeling this way about yourself and the world around you, you can adjust. And, you know, it's just like adjusting the color, or adjusting the sound a little bit, turning things up, turning it down. You can really just kind of turn it up just a notch or turn it down just a notch to be able to to find a frequency that you really like a little bit better. And people get so used to being on that same one and same vibration that you actually can raise that vibration. You can change that. And um, I think that a book like yours is so encouraging. Your practice is encouraging. Your teachings are encouraging. And it's, it's similar to what I try to do with my, with my clients. And they say it's hopeful. I hope it is. But it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's that, that idea of, Yes, sometimes you are a victim of a violent crime. I have been. I get it. It's not like you asked for it. It's not like you drew it to yourself in any way. But what are you going to do about it now? Because what I always tell people is if you don't do something with this experience or if you don't get through it, not get over it or get away from it, but get through it, well, then it Mm -hmm. wins. It wins. So then they got exactly what they wanted, which was to, you know, to take away something from you, to steal your light. 
And I do think there's something to that, that darkness comes for the light. And if you have a lot of light, you have to be more careful and cautious because those energy vampires do come and they want to take mm-hmm. and take. And it's up to us to shut that down and to make a different choice and say, you know, I'm happy to give of myself to people who are open to, to listening and to learning. But if people are just going to take from me and drain me, I have to recharge myself and I have to make that different step. And how, how did you persevere to go all the way back to get your doctorate in clinical psychology? And to well, I had a little help, <laughs> as, as most of us do. Uh, mm-hmm. Look for the angels in your life because they're there. They're there. Um, but I had a weird experience. I was working for the telephone company. I was, started there when I was 18. Uh, it was a good construction job. It paid good money for not having much education. Mm-hmm. And uh, But uh, in 1991, um, I fell for the first time. I fell off a telephone pole. Oh. And uh, about 22 feet. And uh, I had a five-hour surgery at Cedars-Sinai Hospital to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Oh. And I realized uh, that I pretty much wasn't going to be able to continue with that uh, that career. Now, now, luckily, I'm healthy. I've recovered. I've had a couple of surgeries, and mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of small areas are about ninety percent. But risking that again, going back up that pole again, mm-hmm. really wasn't smart for me. Mm-hmm. So I I took the hugely courageous act of saying, well. I never took my SATs. Uh, I was a terrible high school student, but what the heck? Let's at least try to take some classes. Mm. And I went over to Los Angeles Valley College, beautiful community college, and uh, for some reason they let me in the front door. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a couple of classes, and I did okay. And I thought, well, maybe I could take a couple of more classes. And then this momentum built, mm. and I had the audacious belief that perhaps I could go all the way through and become a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I took it a chunk at a time. I got a two-year degree at uh, the community college. And then I went to university. I got another two-year degree, which gave me my bachelor's. Then I went to graduate school, got a master's degree. And then I realized, hey, just keep going, kid. Keep going. And I graduated with my doctorate in clinical psychology. And what I realized was, again, I, as a child, I thought people who go to college are just really smart, smart people. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is that college can teach you how to think. Right. It can teach you critical thinking skills. It's not just for geniuses. Mm-hmm. It's for everybody. And believe me, I'm no genius. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a pretty you know, bright guy, reasonably bright. <laughs> but book learning was never my stuff. <laughs> I still can't do a quadratic equation. And you don't need to, which is a lucky thing. <laughs> exactly. And, but I mastered a particular area of this world. I know zero about air conditioning repair. Right. But I know a lot about psychology. Right. And we're all specialists. And when we realize that if, we, that if he can do it, I can do it. That's what I want to tell people. Look, if I could do it, you could do it. Anybody I think that's such it. a good example. It's such a good example. I feel the same way that I am living proof. I'm not even just an example. I'm living proof that you can go through these traumas. I was 37. It's not like it happened years and years and years ago. It was a decade ago. And that you can go through that and have it inform your choices and that I don't want to be in that space anymore. I don't want to be around these people anymore. I don't want this negativity. I don't like it. I honestly was sick of waking up and thinking, oh, me again? You know, I have to be with this person <laughs> I know that feeling, all day yeah. long. I have to be, oh, I'm so tired of her, and I'm tired of the people she knows, and I'm tired of the things that they say and do, and I'm tired of it, yeah. and I realize I'm tired of it. Switch. Just change it. It's not like it's anyone else's job. It's, it's your life. You can, you can be the author of it. You can, you can be the director. Yeah. It's your movie. And Did I, you have any mentors? Wait. Hmm? 
Did you have any mentors? Did you have somebody that you looked up to and said, wow, if they could do that, maybe I can? I did, and I have to say it is, well, it was one with my doctor, Dr. Daniel Menton, who specialized in PTSD and trauma and EMDR therapy was very helpful because I really made it my full-time job to get well. And, I mean, rape is one of the, it is the number one cause of homelessness for women and some men for runaways as well. And I fortunately have a very supportive family, but they did say the wrong things. You know, they thought, well, if we explain what happened to you and you're kidnapped from some red carpet party, well, then your lifestyle comes into question. My lifestyle, what am I doing? It's bad to be in limousines drinking champagne. Well, maybe sometimes bad things can happen, but but it's uh, I mean that's not what I'm doing anymore, thank God. But it's, yeah. it's I was living in a, in a deadened world, a deadened, not dead end, but deadened people deadening themselves, and I continued to do so for quite some time afterwards. And then I had a second incident happen. So yes, I would say my mentor, one of them is my mother that she has come through so many different things in her life and was just had that strength. So between Dr. Menton and my mother, uh, Myra Williams, she just really gave me hope and told me, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. This will, this will pass. You have to get through it. You won't get over it. You won't get around it. But you can do whatever you want. And it actually started. She cut out a speak out event, uh, sort of uh, something from the newspaper and just sort of left it for me. So I could look mm-hmm. at it and look at it, and I didn't feel like doing anything. And finally, I thought, oh, I want to get out of the house. I'll go to that. And no one was getting up. And since I'm not shy, I thought, I'll get up and talk about what I've gone through and what has helped, and that I'm taking self-defense now, and that I don't want them to win by taking my life away, which is what they attempted to do. You know, it's attempted mm-hmm. murder. And I thought, you know, there's something to this, to talking about it. And then people asked questions. And I thought, you know what? This is it. I have my psych degree. I'll specialize in in um, mm. violent crime and in mm-hmm. uh, victims of and survivors of rape and, and molestation. And I started doing the rape and suicide hotlines, and addiction came into play. So I went back to school for addiction and recovery because everyone's self-medicating. So for me, my mentor was my mother and my doctor, but it was also, and my father as well, and, but I just had an awful lot of, I had a great force field of people who agreed with me when I would say, I can't let this win. Then it, then it wins. Then they win. Well, and I think wanted. you were attracting them into your life because I think this is probably the most critical skill that anybody who's currently feeling like a victim or just barely surviving. Mm-hmm. The most important skill that we can engage in is looking at people in our lives who are in fact thriving mm-hmm. and ask the question, what do you do? Exactly. What There's do you do that asking. allows you to thrive? Because if you can do it, I can do it. Exactly. How did you get there? And that's when I say I am living proof. And that's when you say, you know, I, I can, can show you as an example. And that if I can do it, you can do it. I think that's a beautiful thing you say to them. Because uh, some people think, well, no, I can't. Well, why are you different? Well, because you decided to try. And it really is, it's a conscious decision and a conscious will to live. And I do think that sometimes people do get finally sick of it. And that's when they will ask you that question. Stephen, what did you do? And uh-huh. I, I'd like to know what you think are the most important traits of thrivers. I mean, it's I not just luck. What is that? What is that? that I identified three home? traits to try to put it as simply as possible. With all of the psychological theories you learn in school, from Freud to Jung to Bowen to Rogers and mm-hmm. Bowlby, these are all giants in the field. And they all have a theory of how and why we are the way we are. But if you listen to them, they're all describing how people are dysfunctional. And I decided I'm going to come up with my own observational theory, small, short, straight to the point, that is positively oriented. Who are people who are living an exemplary life? And I found these three characteristics. The first one is they know their core self. 
Mm-hmm. They've gotten in touch with the deepest, innermost spark of life, their soul, that, that, that connection to the universe that is the very essence of who they are. And they're committed to developing that. The second mm-hmm. trait is they have skills that allow them to adapt to the ever-changing needs of their environment. Because the truth is, the environment will always be changing. So right. having adaptive skills is indeed <laughs> the characteristic that allows you to keep flowing. Right. And the final one is that they can shape their future. They have this beautiful belief that the future is not yet written, and the choices I make today will influence what my future looks like. Simple, direct, and to the point. Core self, adaptive skills, and a belief you can shape your future. I love it because I don't believe that there's a predestined um, sort of thing out there that this is just the way it's going to be. I think we can always adjust, and it's, po- it's proof positive when you're on your motorcycle or I'm in my roadster and you see a fork in the road. And yep. it's proof positive also when things happen in our lives that completely, you know, suddenly I had to move, suddenly I have to do this, suddenly, you know, even, even smaller health challenges that, oh, I have thyroid disease, I guess now I'm going to have to eat this way, I guess now I'm going to have to do that. It's yep. just it's just being Adapt. redirected to, oh, okay, this is a different thing to try, and that we can shape our future. We can take charge of it. No one else is really guiding us. We're the expert on our lives. And, and I it keeps you from feeling like a victim. When something happens, you just take it in stride and say, right. wow, this is upsetting. I'm going to cry about it tonight, but tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do something different. Yes. I'm yes. going to thrive. Look, you created Danielle. You did that mm-hmm. with all the effort and hard work and thought and prayer and, and, and meditation and books you read. You created this beautiful person we have in front of us right now. I created Dr. Stephen. Thank so you. we're all in the process of becoming the person we're going to be tomorrow. We really are, and I think that's such important information because I know your book didn't just come out of being a drug addict or come out of having a difficult childhood or come out of that. I mean, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, amazing, amazing, inspirational things and going back to school, but where did you begin to get your information? When did you, where did you start getting information about change and thriving? I know where mine came from, but I'm very interested yeah, well, to know for, where you for got me, yours. I was, you know, I was kind of lonely. I was stuck in a very bad place, <laughs> and I just started asking around, hey, have you ever read a good book on personal growth? And somebody gave me Jonathan Livingston Siegel, and I thought, hey, we, I read that in like high school, but I reread it with a clear mind, mm. and it made all the difference. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading the next book, and the next, and the next, and I would go to bookstores and look in the self-help section, and I would look at what's popular and, and, and what the, the good reviews, and you read things like Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, or uh, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman, and some of these later books that have come out, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, oh, love The Alchemist book. by Paulo Coelho. And I look at those books on my shelf, and, I, and I, when, I, when I wrote The Courage to Thrive, my goal, my vision is that I can put that book on the shelf next to all of those giants, and it fits neatly, and it connects with them. And someday somebody's going to say, you should read The Courage to Thrive. Oh, I've been saying it. I've been saying it. So somebody's already saying it, just so you know. I've had clients Thank you. at it. You're quite welcome. And, you know, we want to make sure people know where that's available, too. Where, how can they get your books? It is tremendous. Everywhere really very... online. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, okay. uh, Abe's Books. Uh, you, you can't miss it. Uh, if you search it, you'll find it. It's pretty easy to find. Courage to Thrive, Triumph in the Face of Adversity by Dr. Stephen Trudeau. 
It is a helpful, helpful, helpful book. It's a very courageous, very hopeful book, and thriving while you roar around on your motorcycle. I mean, you're a perfect <laughs> example of it. And I think those of us that really have decided to move out of that space of woe is me and this happened and that happened, it's making the best of things, which is, you know, there's there's glass, glass half full, there's glass half empty, and then it's, hey, you know what, get another glass. It's just, you, know, you can always... You can always do things differently. Sell the glass, start over, whatever. There's, it really doesn't have to be this Cheers. given, and then you're given, you have to interpret it. You can really kind of create what you yeah. want, and I think that, that when people really grasp that, that you can create what you want and be who you want to be, and that it's such a limiting belief that we believe some of these things that we've been told and internalize them or go through something that just seems insurmountable, but look at some of these people who have had un- insurmountable odds. Look at Nelson Mandela. Look at Maya Angelou. Look at, I mean, th- those are mentors to me as well. You know, just reading mm-hmm. about other people who've gone through something that you think is, is so unsurvivable and horrible. Your brain will horrible. focus on what you through. feed it. What's that? Your brain will focus on what you feed it. Exactly. And what you, what you, where energy, what is it, where energy goes, focus flows, or where energy, it's one of those. Yeah. Something like that. So it's uh-huh. like something like that. I can't remember the rhyme, but it's, 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 it grows if you focus on it. So if you're focusing on healing and you're focusing on, on the good that you can do for yourself, and honestly, for people who have been through crime or people who, have, who are self-medicating, do you really want that to win? And at some point deciding that this isn't enough, this isn't what I want, you don't have to continue. You can, you've never gone too far to turn back. And believe me, I went pretty far, and it sounds like you did too. And at some point you think, this isn't working. Why am I continuing down this path? You can always turn back and start over. And uh, even with relapse, sometimes I say it's the cha-cha. You know, you just sort of went forward, went back. It's okay. It it doesn't have to be the end. It's just like a diet. Just because you went off doesn't mean chuck the whole thing. Just say, okay, you know, autocorrect. Let's go back to what we were doing. And that it's it's... Things aren't as unsurmountable as they seem, and and sometimes it really does seem so dark, and it's going to get better if you if you take control and and swerve. And I think that your book is such a tremendous example of it, Stephen. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It really is a tremendous example of it. Now, one more time, just give out your website. Would love people to be able to get to you. Psychonthebike dot com. Okay, so that's P-S-Y-C-H on uh-huh. the B-I-K-E dot com for that's Dr. It. Stephen Trudeau. And for me, it's DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com. Um, you can also find me in Psychology Today. You can also just Google me. You can also just listen to my show. And uh, I'm here every single Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And please... In the meantime, be well, do well, but I cannot wait to come back next week. And, Stephen, actually, I'd love to have you on soon. I'm having a we, – we mentioned Facebook and a couple of these things a few times and how people are looking down at their social media and, and not being aware of so much that's going on. And some of it's wonderful. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm all of it. But mm-hmm. I'm doing a show with call-in guests about, um, about some of the pros and cons of it, and I'll let you know when that is because I would love to have you in the mix there and discussing some of your brilliant insights into – you know, how we can get out of that and get outside instead. And I think that would be really helpful. Glad to do it. Good. Well, I'll be delighted to have you then and delighted to have you today. So thank you again for being here. And everyone, be well and do well. And until, until next time, this is Danielle Delaney taking off and signing off. And, Stephen, thanks again. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. And I'll speak to the rest of you next week. Take care. 
Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week.